This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Welcome friends to the Yoga and Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Weber, a yoga and Pilates teacher who is living and learning every day here in beautiful Austin, Texas. And I am oh so curious about all things yoga and. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This show brings the magic of yoga and other mind-body practices down to earth for the everyday real person. Today, I am super excited to have back on the show mental health coach, and yoga therapist, Lalani Clark. Check out her previous episodes she did with us, number 59, Yoga and Anxiety, and number 48, Yoga and Removing the Concept of Other When You Get the Chance. Today, we are talking all about yoga and depression in this very special two-part series. Lalani will answer some of your questions like, what is depression exactly? What are the different types of depression? What role can yoga play in helping with depression? And what could be some practical tools and tips that can help us? I know you will appreciate Lalani's knowledge on this subject just as much as I did. Now, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. On today's episode is mental health coach and yoga therapist, Lalani Clark. Hey, Lalani, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Ashley, so much for having me back on. And um, I'm super excited to talk about another facet of mental health. So thank you. Yes, I, I have so many questions about today's subject, and I'm so glad you're on. This is sort of like Uh, The completion, you did an episode on yoga and anxiety. So now we're talking about yoga and depression. And they're often, anxiety and depression are linked together. And so we're going to talk about more of that today. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you and your work for those who may not know you yet? Sure. So um, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a certified mental health coach finishing up my master's in yoga therapy. I'm also a certified uh, Kundalini yoga instructor and um, my mental health coaching program traditionally works with uh, individuals in the legal profession, given that um, part of my professional background was also in the uh, part of the legal team, so. Wow. 
So let's get into the big question. What exactly is depression? Sure. Uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> let's put some parameters on that, right? So medically speaking, depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of depressed mood or sadness um, and a profound loss of interest in things that typically give a person um, pleasure or joy. All right, so that's that's really good to know that that's what depression is. How can yoga help with depression? Sure, so <clears throat> from a yoga perspective, depression impacts our electromagnetic field, right? And, and when we talk about electromagnetic field, we're really talking um, specifically around the heart space. <clears throat> and, um, and our electromagnetic field has a direct impact on our auric body, okay? And, um, and when our auric body is depleted or not strong, uh, that in turn makes us more susceptible to other people's toxic emotions. And so there's this compound effect with depression because the individual's auric field is lowered and they're in a state of sadness, right? Which is impacting their immune system, it's impacting their digestion, and, and they're also a bit, can be a bit disconnected from their own self, right? So then they're getting influenced by if uh, those that they are around. And so if those individuals aren't in a health, healthy space either, uh, or a manipulative or uh, anything of, on the negative side, right, then those are going to have a compound effect on the individual experiencing depression. Wow. Right. Um, so, you know, one of the, just some background information on the um, aura itself, right? The auric field is an energy field that surrounds each of us. Each person has one. Um, generally speaking, it's anywhere from three to nine feet. Um, and, um, and when it's strong, you know, that's when we can uplift those around us, right? Mm -hmm. um, is when we're in a place where we can increase um, not only compassion for ourselves but express compassion for others um, when we can express kindness not only to ourselves but to others and when we can take on that nurturing um, quality right <clears throat> one thing that's really um, significant about the auric field is that when it is strong, this is where we have the ability to discern, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, we can uh, listen to others' thoughts and opinions without necessarily internalizing them because we have this protective electromagnetic field, right? And so we can say, yep, that's your stuff, that's my stuff, and we're good, right? But when we're depressed, your stuff becomes my stuff. I internalize your stuff, right? Because I don't have a protective barrier. 
Um, and so then I can be in a position to be heavily influenced by others' opinions, um, whether that's personal friends or media or um, the wide spectrum in between. So mm -hmm. it's really a, um, a fundamental aspect of depression that doesn't necessarily get talked about um, in mainstream, but it's a way that we can yogically uh, address what's going on, right? And, and yogically help individuals that come to classes um, benefit from practice. So. I think that's a great explanation. And yes, you're right. It doesn't get talked about in that way, depression. Um, and we'll get into more specific yoga things you can do later, um, helping towards the depression. Um, but I want to talk about the why anxiety and depression are often linked together. How, why is that a thing? Are they, are they different? Are they the same side of a different coin? Like, what are your thoughts on anxiety and depression? Yeah, uh, great, great question. And, and you nailed it, right? Like, they really are two sides of the same coin, right? Um, anxiety is when an, an individual is focused about on the future, worrying about the future, right? Um, consumed about the what ifs, consumed by the uh, worst case scenarios that may unfold, right? But you have yet to, right? Um, and, and depression is an individual, when we simplify, this is of course, please recognize that this is an oversimplification, um, but Depression at the core is when somebody is stuck, right? Stuck in the past. Either stuck in the past um, based on a life, uh, not accepting a life circumstance that's currently unfolding, right? They're stuck in the way it once was, right? Not accepting of, um, of a loss or a change. Um, it's all kinds of reasons why people um, get stuck emotionally, right? But at the core, depression is when somebody is so connected to the past um, that they that they can't be in the present, right? And both of both anxiety and depression rob individuals of being able to be present, right? Mm. And, I never knew that and I never would have thought of that in that context. Uh, that's really, that's really an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. All right. So are we all depressed because of the times we're in right now? <laughs> like, how can you not be depressed? <laughs> I, know. I know it kind of feels that way. Right. But you know, it really, it really goes back to, I mean, there's layers to this answer, right? And one that kind of hits me off the bat when you ask that is the significance of maintaining a practice, right? Because the more we stay connected to our practice, the stronger our work field is, right? And the less susceptible we are to, um, being heavily influenced from outside sources, right? And so we get to then evaluate for ourselves, 
what our mental state is, right? And and for ourselves, even um, those individuals that are practicing could very easily be in a state of depression. I don't want to dismiss that, right? Um, and so, you know, there's been an interesting study done by Harvard recently based on COVID, and um, and what it came back with was that, you know, there has been this increase of psychiatric disorders uh, during COVID, right? And um, what's been found is that not only psychiatric disorders have increased, but dementia has increased and insomnia has increased. And, um, you know, this really goes back to the impact that depression has on, or yeah, the biochemical relationship in depression with the brain, right? And the release of hormones and the level of hormones being released in the brain. And so, and, you know, given that relatively speaking from a study perspective, COVID has not been around so long, right? For long enough for us to understand long-term effects on the brain. And so that part of, of research is still outstanding. Um, but what the study did conclude is that, you know, the psychiatric rise is that they're, ex that research is noting is definitely attributed to um, isolation, loneliness, unemployment, financial stress, right? And general grief from loss of loved ones. And so one thing to really understand about depression is that it is our body's normal way of responding to stress, right? Um, and it is a state right um this is different than it being um an emotion in 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 and of itself right um and it's also really important that people recognize um that this is transient right mm. um that people have a choice in what they choose to identify as part of their identity, right? And um, we can go around and say, I'm an angry person, I'm a depressed person, I'm a sarcastic person, right? Mm -hmm. And the more that you tell yourself that, right, the deeper that neural pathway is going to be developed as such, right? But, um, we can also recognize that this is a state. There are some circumstances going on in my life that, or the world that have me in this state of uh, overwhelm, right? And I need some support right now. It doesn't mean that you're going to need that support the rest of your life. It doesn't mean that you're not going to need that support for the rest of your life. You may become aware of a much deeper issue right that uh, a lot when you sit with the feelings allows you to go deeper right and move through the depression into what's really being triggered right um and that's one really powerful way that yoga can help 
individuals that are experiencing mental health um, disorders. So, I'm curious, what is the difference between having a bad day and being depressed? Like, what is the difference? Sure. Uh, the shortest answer to that is time. Ah. <clears throat> right. Um, and going back to that, that um, essence of state, right? Mm. Um, the American Psychiatric Association has identified that one in six people will uh, experience depression over the course of their life. So that's pretty much majority of people on the planet, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a really high statistic. And I say that because oftentimes when we are in a state of depression, we think I'm the only one in the world that is feeling this way, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that's simply not a true statement, right? Um, and so let's debunk that right now. And um, when we talk about having a bad day versus being in a state of depression, it really is about time. Um, and what I mean by that is that when we're having a bad day, we can sit with those feelings, right? It's important to actually sit with those feelings and process those feelings and ask ourselves the questions of what triggered us to, to be influenced um, to a more negative state of mind, right? That's mm -hmm. um, important. That's a really important thing to process. What shifts is that if we are in that state for an extended period of time, maybe two weeks, right? Maybe now instead of just having a bad day, right? Um, and being able to see that there are also positive things going on in, throughout the day, right? Maybe now we're in a place where we're completely unmotivated, where um, our mental state is impacting um, our ability to uh, go to work, uh, our ability to interact with family members, right? Um, <clears throat> our Now our emotional state is impacting our sleep patterns, our eating patterns, um, these are cues that we're transitioning into more of a deeper state of depression rather than just a bad day, right? Because a bad day comes and it goes. Mm. Depression stays with us, right? Somewhat recently, I had Brandy Jo Perkins and Caroline Caswell, owners of Earth Commons, on the show. Check out episode number 62 when you get the chance. Earth Commons is more than an apothecary. They offer herbal consultation, massage, therapy, classes, and monthly memberships. They have really helped me get into my herbal side. It's a fabulous way to connect to nature and to a supportive herbal community. One of my favorite things to get at Earth Commons is rhodiola. It's great for focus, also increases my energy without that caffeine spike. 
My other go-to herb is hops. I make it into a tea and it's great for relieving muscle tension. Another favorite is their vetiver bundles. If you have ever seen a sage bundle before, it's like that, but made with super grounding vetiver. So great for relaxation. They have many awesome offerings. Do yourself a favor and go check it out for yourself. You can find them if you are in the Austin area at 813 Springdale Road or visit them online at earth-commons.com. That's spelled E-A-R-T-H hyphen C-O-M-M-O-N-S.com. I'll link all their info in the show notes. Check out Earth Commons online or in Austin for all your self-keeping needs. That's also affordable. And we're back. Uh, In your episode you did with us previously, uh, Yoga and Anxiety, you bring up different types of anxiety, are there any other, are there multiple types of depression or is there just one kind of, is depression just the thing? <laughs> um, I know, right? Sometimes it feels that way. Um, but there are actually different um, types of depression, if you will, right? And so <clears throat> there's, we'll just name a few here. Um, there's major depressive disorder, and this is what's generally referred to as uh, being clinically depressed, right? And so um, this is where, you know, talking about that difference between a bad day and somebody who's clinically depressed, for example, the individual who's clinically depressed is um, probably withdrawn from most of his or her or theirs uh, normal activities, right? Um, They potentially have experienced fluctuation in weight um, in addition to the fluctuation in sleep patterns, whether they're oversleeping or sleeping like in naps throughout the day and not sleeping at night, right? So there's a general lack of energy and um, a general feeling of fatigue within the body. Um, There can also be feelings of worthlessness and guilt. Um, And going back to brain activity, right? It's really difficult for somebody who's in a deep state of depression for them to concentrate. Um, And it's not also not surprising for an individual who is in that deep state of depression to have thoughts of death or suicide, right? And so if, if any of those um, symptoms are happening, especially the thoughts of death or suicide, right? Like, please know that there are hotlines available and uh, they're anonymous. So call and get the support that you need. Um, and you don't have to provide any identifying information. You can just talk to somebody, right? And we'll link those numbers in the show notes. So you can just go straight to the show notes if that is something you need today. Thank you, Ashley, for offering that support. Um, and so 
As far as other types of, of depression go, there's also something known as persistent depressive disorder. And in, in addition to the items that are the traits, qualities identified above um, with major depressive disorder, we're also here now enter like feelings of anger and irritability, um, feelings of hopelessness. And once again, in addition to the fluctuation of weight that are experienced by people um, with major depressive disorder, now we're also uh, experiencing fluctuations in appetite. And all of these are on a scale, right? So they can be experienced in mild forms or in severe forms. Um, and they also fluctuate on a day-to-day -day basis. So somebody may appear dandy one day and go, and then the next day be experiencing much more severe level of symptoms, right? Um, and so if you're part of the support network, knowing these symptoms, knowing these cues, knowing um, that they fluctuate, right, can also help you as a support person to your friend or loved one um, be able to say, hey, would you be open for us going together to talk with a counselor or us going together to, you know, practice some yoga or, you know, uh, without necessarily coming across accusatory, like, oh, you're depressed, you need to go to the doctor, right? Like, because that's not going to land for anybody, right? Like, <laughs> uh, calling somebody out, quote unquote, right, is, isn't going to be supportive. So thinking about ways to offer support in ways that um, allow the person to be where they are emotionally, right? And and empower them in their decision-making to move forward in their treatment. So, yeah. I have a quick question about, like, I'm not, I, I don't know much about this subject. So when you say the, the appetite fluctuating, the weight fluctuating, the sleeping fluctuating, I'm just curious, like, why is that um, one of the, the, some of the characteristics in a depressive state? Sure. So there, um, biochemically, uh, there's a relationship between the release of hormones and brain activity. Um, and so PN, then you layer in people's way of processing emotion, right? Mm -hmm. And so depending on what the underlying issue is, right? Depression is just a state, right? It's not the underlying cause. So if people are not um, processing their emotions or if they tend to process their emotions, for example, through food, right? Then an individual who's depressed may be um, attracted to high sugar foods, for example, right? Which is going to unfortunately reinforce the cycle because the sugar level is going to increase inflammation, which is going to increase stress, which is going to increase the distribution of hormones, right? And have this biochemical, so it goes through this whole cycle, right? And it reinforces this state of depression. Um, and just, and for example, with when we're talking about sleep, um, because of the biochemical uh, 
released because of the way the hormones are getting released, right? There may be times in the middle of the day where they like the individual is just like zero energy, zero, like I can't stay awake. I need to go lay down, right? And so they take, let's say, a, maybe a two-hour nap or a three-hour nap, and now they're awake at 8 o'clock, right? They're just waking up from a nap at 8 o'clock at night, and so they're not going to go to bed at 10 o'clock and sleep till 6 o'clock in the morning, right? Now they're going to be up mm -hmm. until probably 2 or 3. And, and from a yogic perspective now, we're looking at the circadian rhythm being off, right? And so that connection to nature as a whole or the rise and fall of the moon is completely disconnected, um, oh. right? And so now we're getting biochemical signals at completely random times, end quote, right? Um mm -hmm. And so restoring that rhythm yogically, when we try as an intervention, when we work with individuals in depression, right? One of the ways that we can help support individuals in depression is helping them restore that circadian rhythm. That, I mean, that's a great way to put it. I, I never really thought of it like that, but you are going out of sync with nature when, when you are taking long naps or so that's very interesting. All this stuff you're bringing up, um, it makes sense to be out of rhythm with the nature and the moon and the sun. And it would, it would, I could see how disruptive that would be. Are there other depressive disorders? There are. So, and um, bipolar disorder is also a form of depression, right? And um, it is probably one of one of the most um, severe ones is and and one of the ones that individuals um, experience the highest number of suicidal thoughts in so um, if if you or a loved one again have um, experienced bipolar right I know that there's going to be there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days right um, without putting that uh, judgment on it, right? Just knowing that your partner or yourself are going to feel more attuned to yourself on given days and more out of sync with yourself on other days. Uh, and this is largely attributed to um, a, a biochemical release pattern, right? And so, um, and something else that enters into the process of depression or the state of depression uh, when somebody is experiencing bipolar is unexplained aches and pains and uh, throughout the entire body, right? And so, um, again, it's really going to be important to go in and get that support necessary um, especially when we're talking about bipolar. Um, and then individuals experiencing bipolar also can have a huge level of indecis indecisiveness and disorganization, right? Um, again, largely because 
the, of the way that the brain is communicating with the body, right? Remember, being, being mindful that when our, our hormones get released, biochemically speaking, from the brain, from the nerves, and from organs, right? And so in depression, those three parts of our body are not talking uh, the way that they were built to talk with each other. And so it's very disorienting, um, even on a cellular level for the body. Wow, I had no idea. This is this is a really eye-opening conversation. There's a lot to know about depression. And um, uh, what are some other uh, things that can come up? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so then, you know, um, then there are two areas for, for women to be mindful of, right? And um, so there's uh, peripartium depression, which formerly was known as postpartum depression. Um, and so this is this is not just baby blues, right? This this is going much deeper. Um, and usually the, the mom here is having potentially trouble, um, bonding with the baby, or if she's decided to, um, breastfeed, then maybe there's difficulty with latching going on here. Right. And, um, and the mom can feel like, um, really inadequate. Um, if she's experiencing um, peripartium, um, and may and sometimes this happens as a result of maybe the birthing process that she envisioned, right? She maybe she wanted an, a natural birth, um, didn't happen, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because of circumstances, right? So maybe she had to get an epidural, maybe um, maybe she had to get a C-section, right? And that was different than her expectation and her desire, right? And it was a last minute kind of situation where she felt, felt dis, potentially disempowered, right? And so now she carries that guilt with her forward. Um, and the mom can experience anxiety, can experience, can experience panic attacks. Um, and there's a there's a whole layer here. And so um, really going to see a specialist uh, can be really beneficial. Joining a new mom's support group, having your partner be involved in that process um, is really critical. And, and if you don't have a partner, um, you know, finding, uh, identifying a support circle whether that's friends, whether that's other family, um, whether that's a healthcare circle, right? But really getting um, connected to identify, be able to talk about what you're feeling and know, and be able to have the space to release the guilt, right? Mm. And like that's really um, can be transformative. So, and then the others, um, 
The other form of depression that can be experienced by women specifically are those identifying as women and having the physical structures of women um, are premenstrual um, diaphoric disorder. And so this happens, uh, this is a bit more intense than PMS. Um, and it can happen for about 10 days prior to the start of uh, in the woman's cycle. Um, and it, can, it often is a time where the individual is incredibly self-critical, uh, may even experience severe anxiety, um, may experience really intense food cravings or binging. Um, and so just being mindful of taking time to, if you are an individual that has, um, a menstrual cycle, you know, taking time to observe your behavior, uh, you know, two weeks leading up, uh, to this, your start of menses, right. And, um, and observing your behavior, like, are your emotions going through the roof? Do you find yourself snapping at individuals? Do you find, like, uncontrollable irritability? Like, are you internalizing that irritability? Are, are you um, are you taking everybody's comments to heart, right? Here go, we go back to strengthening our auric field during this time, right? Um, it's really interesting when we start to look at these as the state of depression in a yogic lens, right? Because then we go, oh, wow. Why do we do so many arm movements in yoga, right? Because the, the heart meridian comes straight across the bottom of the pinky, right? Mm -hmm. uh, across the bottom of the elbow into the heart space. Like these are our energy lines that go straight into the heart. So we want to strengthen those as frequently as possible, right? Um, and simple things like wearing white will actually increase your auric field by about 12 inches. So, you know, if you need that extra space from people and you can't actually get it, right, put some white on. Like, put that extra layer of, of protection on around you so you can interact with you with confidence and not be so... Uh, influenced by others, right? And as teachers, you know, as yoga teachers, right? When we think about wearing white, you know, one of the, as we go into a classroom, um, being mindful that people are going to have stuff. We're going to have stuff, right? Um, you know, we could have had a bad day, right? But we don't, but shifting that space when we go into teach, right? And one of the ways we can help ourselves shift is just by what our, we're wearing, so. I love that tip. And as long as I've been teaching, I've never heard anyone tell me that directly. Like as a teacher, it's a good idea to wear white and here's why. And I really appreciate, I appreciate these tips. I hope you enjoyed today's episode all about yoga and depression with the knowledgeable Leilani Clark. This episode is part one. Stay tuned next time for part two. We will continue the conversation and learn even more about yoga and depression.
passion. Let us know how you like the episode. We love hearing from you. Please connect with us on Instagram. Our handle is yoga and podcast or email us at yoga and podcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. The theme song is performed by Allie Holder. Sound engineering and guest booking by Bentley the Cat. Social media by Chloe the Kitty. Remember, this podcast is for everyone. If you are a human living on planet Earth, you might benefit from listening to Yoga and Podcast. See you next time. 